Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. So good morning, everybody. Did everybody have a good Thanksgiving? Who has way too many leftovers still in their fridge? Right? Or how many of you are the type you're just like, after Thanksgiving, it's all going in the trash? Do we have some of those? Like, we don't want to see the mashed potatoes, the turkey, like none of that anymore. But like Scott said, I am Skylar, and I am excited to be here with you guys this morning. And as I was working on and praying over this message, I just got one question that popped into my head is, has there been a situation in your life that you were put in where you had no control? Where the only option you had was to move forward, but you had two choices, whether that was God's will or your own. And these situations can be difficult because it involves wrestling and processing and going, where am I going to go next? And on July 1st this year is when that season started for my wife and I of this where to now. We just recently transitioned out of the church we were serving at in Michigan and we entered into this season where it was like, we don't know where to go. We had options before us. We had this one path where it was like, wherever God wants to take us, we will go. But deep in our hearts, we were like, we just want to go where we want to go. We want to land where we want to land, and God will make it work however he wants to, but that's where we're going. And we're going to talk more about that later, but I wanted to be honest with you guys up front, is that two and a half weeks ago, I had an entirely different message prepared. And do you ever work on something for like a good week and a half, and you're like super proud of, and you're like, this is going to be great? And then all of a sudden, somebody's like, nope. So all that work gets thrown out, and it's frustrating. Like, I put good time into this, and God's like, that's not the message I want you to share. Like, that's not the message I want you to do. Like, and when God kind of tells you not to give a message on a Sunday morning, there's probably a really good reason. So I literally picked up my notes, dropped them in the trash, and I was like, okay, what now? And over prayerfully just thinking through and how much do I want to share is that this morning— I'm going to be real and I'm going to be raw. Like a lot has happened since July for my wife and I as far as transition, change. And in the midst of this, we have a beautiful two and a half year old girl. And at the time, a four month old little boy who is adorable. But if you see him and you're like, that kid never smiles, I promise he does. He just has the resting face of his father, which isn't a good thing. But that note aside, let me start with prayer and then we're just going to dive right in. Dear Lord, thank you for this morning and just thank you for everybody who is here and who's just able to join us today. God, I pray an anointing over this time. God, your Holy Spirit is always already, always and already dwelling among us and I ask that you make your presence known boldly and powerfully here today and let your spirit just reign over us. God, you're good and you're great and we give you this time. In your name we pray, amen. So I was thinking through different life scenarios where it's, what are these situations we could be in? Between God's path and our path, and how do we land there? So the first is job change, right? Maybe you've been working at a company or a business for so many years, and then you're fired. Or you just feel like your season's done, and you're like, okay, where now? Where's that next place for me? Where is either God going to take me, or where am I going to choose to go? 
But the problem is, is when God takes his places, it kind of leads to uncomfortable situations, right? You have to step out in faith and go, okay, like God's got this plan and I'm going to follow it boldly, but I am terrified. Or you're living over here in this environment where it's like, I'm just going to do what I've known, be comfortable, and just kind of do what I want and hope God blesses it along the way. Or maybe it's even serving here at One Hope, and this is my shameless plug for recruiting for student ministries on Sunday night, but maybe it's stepping out of your comfort zone and going, hey, I want to serve on Sunday nights with students, or Sunday morning with kids, which truthfully, like, I am terrified of a big group of children, so like, that would be out of the comfort zone for me. But maybe it's even jumping into a small group. Like, whatever that is for you, what is that taking you outside your comfort zone, and where is God leading, and how can you be faithful there? Or maybe it's your marriage. My parents a few years ago went through a divorce and they just never sought the help that they needed because they didn't want to admit there was a problem. And in that season, I thought through that and I was like, how much different would it be if they were faithful and took a step and go, we need help? That would be taking them outside of their comfort zone, but what does that situation look like for you? Or are we going to live over here and not admit that there may be a problem? Or maybe you're a soon-to-be high school graduate or a graduate and you're trying to figure out the what next for you. Where are you going to college at? Where are you figuring out this next life phase? And maybe that's applying to a college that's out of state. And that is terrifying. But you feel like that's where God's leaving, but you're scared to go because you wouldn't know a single person there. And the story we're looking at this morning, I started reading back on July 1st. God laid it on my heart, and I just didn't know why, because it wasn't one of those stories in the Bible that are like those go-to stories, you know what I mean? Like the ones we read, read over and over and over again. This is just a story that God was like, I want you to study this. I tore through this scripture for two months. Just a simple 12 verses. I wrestled with it. I chewed on it. I was challenged by it. I was frustrated by it because I was like, God, what are you trying to say to me? What are you trying to challenge me with? Where are you trying to take me to go on this scripture? And then one day the light bulb just turned on. And the story we're going to be looking at today is from John 21. But what's interesting is this is after Jesus' resurrection. After Jesus came back, this is his third appearance to his disciples before the Gospels end. This is the last appearance he makes in the book of John, and what's interesting is about it is he shows up for Peter. We've seen him a couple times, but to set this scene, we need to take a 30,000-foot overview of what's happened in Peter's life and in his ministry to get him here. So we see Peter called on the Sea of Galilee years before being a fisherman. He's out fishing. Jesus appears and goes, hey, drop your nets, follow me. So Peter faithfully does this. He drops it and follows Jesus for the next three years of his life, learning and growing from the Messiah himself. He is right there to see miracles and powerful moments that change the history for all of us. And then as time passes, Jesus' crucifixion is approaching, and Jesus sits down with Peter and says something to Peter that shook his world. And he said, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Like, Peter being Peter, he's like, no, Jesus, like, this isn't happening. I'm not going to deny you. I'm not going to refute who you are. 
But what happens? Is Peter eventually does his very thing, and then we're told that Peter went out and wept bitterly because he realized what he did. He went out and wept bitterly because he realized what just happened. He did exactly as Jesus said he was going to do. And then the resurrection comes, and then Jesus starts making these appearances, and then the third time happens. And that's where we're picking up today in John 21, and it says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, We'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples whom Jesus said, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard this, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. When Peter went outside the gates and wept bitterly, it made me ask the question, where did Peter's denial drive him to go? Like after this moment of being with Jesus for three years and being told, hey, you're going to deny me, what happened to Peter? Because the things we're not told over the, next, the course of the next few days is what was Peter doing? What was Peter thinking? What was happening in Peter's life that was challenging him to grow or causing him to doubt everything that he's just experienced? Or maybe even feeling unworthy because he just denied the Messiah. He just denied the guy he watched miracles happen with for three years. And the answer to the question we're told in John 21 is he went home. He went to this environment that he knew where it was safe, where he was comfortable. He went to, back to his long-neglected work of fishing because that's what he knew. And the disciples followed along with him. We find them at the Sea of Galilee where this story started three years ago. Jesus had just commissioned the disciples to go out, the first appearance he made to them. But Peter went home. Peter went back to where he was safe and where he was comfortable. But we don't know why. Was it because he was scared or felt unworthy? Because he denied Jesus after all, because what could Jesus do with me now? Or am I going to even be able to do any ministry anymore because I couldn't admit that I have a relationship with Jesus in that moment? What was happening in Peter's heart during all of this? And the amazing thing is, is these guys are out fishing. And Jesus walks on shore and it says on verse 4, 
that early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. They did not realize that it was Jesus. And it's easy to read stories like this because I'm super guilty of this going like, how do you guys not know this? Like, you've seen him twice already after the resurrection and somebody in the middle of the night's not just going to walk out on the shore and give you fishing lessons. Like, that's not what's going to happen. But they're still out there doing their job being frustrated, fishing all night and not catching anything. And Jesus walks on shore and he goes, hey guys, let me get your attention. Throw your nets out the other side. Like, you'll be great. You'll catch some fish. You'll go home happy. Like, nobody likes being told how to do their job, especially after they worked all day, right? Like, nobody likes that. But the guys are out there fishing, and they're like, okay. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? But the work to switch the sides of the net is not easy either. But they do it. They're like, hey, we may not catch anything, but... Let's try it anyways. So they cast the net on the other side, and then this miracle happens. They catch an abundance of fish, and what's crazy is in Judaism, back in that time, if fishermen caught an abundance of fish, it was the showing of God's blessing and favor on that group. This is Jesus revealing himself to the disciples, going, it is me, don't you see? It is me who's blessing you with this. And in that moment, it clicks in the disciples' heads. Like, that's Jesus on the shore. That's Jesus who's telling us how to do this and where to go and how to fish to catch this abundance. But I read that story, and who doesn't notice? Who doesn't realize right away that that's what Jesus is doing? Because three years before, Peter was in this exact same situation. And how often have we had moments in life where we've seen God do one thing, and then it's almost an exact repeat years later. But we kind of cast it aside going, hey, God wouldn't do it twice, right? But Jesus in this moment is going, hey, it's me, Peter. Like, pay attention. Like, I am up here doing work. What are you doing? But what's cool is you see John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, goes, it is the Lord, and in that moment, Peter realizes. And I think there's one truth in that scene that we all can take with us, is that we all need friends around us and family around us who can point to where Jesus is moving when we can't see it for ourselves. Where we have those people going, hey, open your eyes, Jesus is doing this in your life. Or this is where Jesus is guiding you to have those people to hold us accountable and open our eyes when we can't see. So, like I mentioned, Janu July 1st this year, I transitioned out of my last church, and it was hard and it was painful. Two weeks before, we had a leadership transition, and we all had sit-down meetings, and in my meeting, it didn't go the way I was expecting it to go. I was told, hey, I have a group of guys that I want to work in in student ministries, and you're not one of them. And my heart sunk. Because with my personality, I go straight into survival mode of how am I going to take care of my wife and my kids? Like, what am I going to do now? I was told I have two weeks, and then after that, I'm gone. And I remember going home and telling Aaron, like, this is happening. 
And we had our moments of tears and just crying and going, what next? Because I'm in survival mode going, we've got to figure it out today. I didn't take time to go, okay, God, what do you want? I didn't try to land in God's will. I was going, okay, God. Aaron and I are originally from Indiana. Like, that's where we want to land. Like, that's where we're going. Like, you do what you need to do to make that happen, but we're only going back to where we're comfortable. Where we won't be scared moving back. And during that time, I started meeting with a friend and a mentor who I've known for years. And we started having a phone call like every other day, just chatting, praying together, just going, okay, God, what next? Where are we going? And at, on July 1st, this scripture was laid on my heart and I started reading it. And Zach, who my mentor is, who I was talking to at the time, he goes, hey, like as you job hunt, you may need to keep your mind open to where God could be taking you. And I told Zach, I was like, no. Like I'm only going back to Indiana that's the only place I want to end up. Now, you guys know the end of the story because I now live in Alabama and it doesn't go the way that I told God that it should go, but that's okay. Like, that is definitely for the better because some amazing thing happened along the way. But I was thinking through this and Zach has known me for years and he knows my personality and he is great at discerning what's next for people. So in no way, shape, or form is he going to try to lead me astray so he goes, hey, Skyler, now hear me out. Which, you know, in any conversation, if somebody says, hear me out, it's usually not something you want to hear. So he says this to me, and I'm like, fine. Like, I'll hear you out. What do you have to say? He goes, you know, there's this church called One Hope. And I'm like, is it in Indiana? Like, that's where my mind first goes to. I was like, because it's not in any other state. And I go, where's it at? He goes, let me tell you about the church first. And I was like, Zach, where's it at? Well, it's in Alabama. And in the back of my head, I just start laughing. Because I'm like, no. Like, absolutely not. Like, that is not where I'm going. That's not where I'm going to end up. Because I told you once, and I told God already, that I'm going back to where I'm safe. Just as Peter did, I'm going to run back to where I'm most comfortable, regardless of what God has planned next because I felt safe there. So I bluntly and just flat out told Zach, I was like, no, I'm not interested. This isn't gonna be a conversation again. And something I wanna clarify, because as I wrote this, I didn't want it to sound like I wasn't pro-student ministries or that's like I was open to any other church job or whatever. Like God called me to student ministries when I was 17 years old which was a handful of years ago, but I knew that day that that's vocationally, that was what my calling is and where I was supposed to go and where I was supposed to serve. But all I was telling God in this season was like, yes, I still want to do that, but geographically you're going to put me where I want you to put me. Because thinking through and praying through, Aaron knew that that's where we're called to be, in the church, serving students and investing in this next generation, where we can create an environment where students feel welcomed for who they are now and who God's turning them into and developing them and showing them who he is. Creating an environment where students feel known by everybody there and loved by the people who come every Sunday night, 
Like, that's where our heart passion is, is because to be truthful with all of you is that this generation is the church now. Like, because I think 20 years from now, when my daughter will be 22 at this point, and I look at these seats and I'm like, my students that we're investing in today are going to be sitting where all of you are then and standing where I am. And that is why it's so important to reach them now, to invest them and raise them up to be the leaders that you all are, the servants that you all are, because we need the church. But enough of my high horse, let's jump back to Peter. So Peter is in this situation, and John just revealed to him that, hey, it's Jesus. But I imagine in this moment that, yes, it's written as like, it's just an exclamation. But when I read stories like this, I'm like, is this, how did this play out? And I imagine John laying his hand on Peter going, Peter, don't you see that it's Jesus on the shore doing all of this? Because ultimately Jesus is there to eventually redeem Peter back to his will because a few verses later, Jesus asked him, do you love me? Multiple times going, Peter, like, if you love me, follow me where, you, where I'm calling you to go. And just thinking about that story and thinking about this moment is how much time passed. Because this translation we looked at this morning said, as soon as, but in the original Greek, if you trace it all the way back, it actually translates as to then. Then Peter jumped in the water. How much time passed? Because Peter had to wrestle with it. He already ran home and he's in this moment where Jesus is at the shore. Is he going to jump out of the boat and swim? Or is he just going to look out at the shore and be like, that's not him? And just stay there fishing. But what we do see happen is Peter and Faith jump out of the boat and swim as fast as he can. Like he swam the length of a football field to get to Jesus. Right? He jumped out in faith going like, that's him. We've got to get back to him. He didn't even wait for the boats. Like, and I like how in the scripture it goes like, they were only about 100 yards away. Like, it is still 100 yards. That is 300 feet. Like, nobody's just jumping out the boat and swimming 100 yards. Peter is moving impulsively and excitedly to get back to the Savior that's before him. And he gets to shore, and I ask the question of what happened in that moment. Because the rest of the group wasn't there. This was just a moment between Peter and Jesus standing on the shore, and how did Peter respond? This, this man he just rejected, that he's standing before him, did he run and embrace him? Did he ask for forgiveness? What happened? Or did he just look in G at Jesus and weep because he knew that he was alive? That he was moving these miracles and making all of these things happen for his good, just as he predicted. What was Peter's response? And what's cool is if you look through this scripture, through all of these 12 verses, we see multiple things that have happened before. We see the call of Peter a second time where this miracle of fish happens. But we also look at these last few verses where this meal of fish and bread happened, which alludes back to the feeding of the 5,000. Like, how crazy is that Jesus is doing this all a second time? But then that story right there in the middle is probably one of the most important ones, is Peter getting out of the boat. 
Peter asked Jesus to call him out of the boat once before, and Jesus was walking on the water towards them, and Peter's like, Jesus, call me to you, and I'll walk. So he did, and Peter steps out of the boat, and the winds and the rain start distracting him from every side. And Peter sinks, and Jesus catches him, go, you have little faith. But what's amazing about this story is Jesus, he doesn't wait for Jesus to call this time. He's like, in faith, I jumped out of the boat to get to Jesus. Because Peter isn't the same Peter he was three years before. He's an entirely new person and an entirely new love for Christ. And the faith that he has in him is astounding. Because that's what I all hope and that's what I finally realized about these 12 verses is that we are Peter. We all have seasons in our lives where we're like, what next? What now? Where Peter's faced with the dilemma of going home and going back to the Sea of Galilee to his long-neglected work or stepping out in faith and becoming the leader of the church that we needed him to be, that Jesus called him to. And we've all wrestled with that moment going, where are you leading? Where are you calling and what are you going to do with it? And July 6th came, and Zach and I were on the phone together, and he was like, Skylar, I know you've already shot me down once. He goes, but I am confident to say that you are the guy they've been looking for. And I'm, I've taken the last five days to pray and think, Aaron and I talked about it, and we were like, okay, like, What's the harm of having to hear what they have to say? So I told Zach, I was like, fine, set something up. I'll have one conversation. Like in the back of my head, I was still like, I want to go home. I want to run back to where I was safe. But, the ne- but that day, James emailed me and it was just like, hey, Skyler, like, Zach gave me your name. I'd love to set up a conversation. And he asked me a really ironic question that I had one response to, but it's not what I said. He goes, do you have some free time tomorrow to like have a meeting? Again, I'm unemployed. I'm literally sitting on my couch in sweatpants watching Netflix. Like that is all I'm doing during this period of my life. But instead of going, bro, I'm unemployed, like I have all the time in the world, I was like, yeah, I can definitely make time. Like that's what I said. I went back and read the email because my show could wait for an hour. Because we've all been a part of interviews and they last only about an hour, right? James and I that day talked for two hours. And what happened during that conversation is God kept revealing more and more of himself, going, Skylar, this is where I'm calling you to go. And then James, at the end of the call, he's like, hey, I want to set something up with Scott for you for the next day. Do you have free time? Again, in my head, I'm like, bro, I have all the time in the world. Like, you tell me the time and I will be at my computer. So the next day, Scott and I sit down and have a conversation. Hour and a half passes. And at the end of the call, I look back going, God's constantly revealing himself to me in this. And I tell Aaron about all of these conversations going, he's leading us here. This is where he's calling. But we're both scared to death because we just got hurt so bad. We were scared to take that step out of the boat because our family's in Indiana and that's safe. Like that's where we were comfortable, but God was going, look what I'm showing you. Look what I'm revealing to you over here in my will. 
So we get a phone call Friday, and we get an invitation to come down and visit you guys that weekend at the end of July. And I've been tearing through this scripture for days going, I need to have that faith that Peter had. Where he just jumped out of the boat. If he saw Jesus there, he jumped. And they invited us down. I was like, sure, like, let's go. Because there was things that we needed to know once we got here, needed to see that couldn't be answered over a phone call. So we came that weekend, and I am not kidding. In 24 hours, we confidently looked at each other and went, this is where we're supposed to be. This is where Jesus was calling us to, and without a doubt, that Monday, we sat down with Scott and James, and they slid over paperwork and go, we want to offer you the job. And I'm pretty impulsive like Peter is, so I'm like, okay, like, this is where God's calling, signed it on the spot, and I was like, when do I start? Because I got to meet you guys and be a part of this church for a week, and I was like, that is where we're supposed to be, because everything we had been praying for led to this moment, and this is what we were called to do. And the calls to our families going, hey, you know, our will was to go to Indiana, but God was like, hey, move across the country, it'll be fine. So we did. We went, and the crazy part is, is that they heard in our voice God's will so much that they were like, how can we help? Like, how can we get you there? And if you know both sides of Aaron and I's families, it would have been like tooth and nail if this wasn't God's will. They're like, we're excited. And we have somewhere warm to visit. And I was like, yeah, you do. No more snow down here. But as I watched my friends this week deal with the snow up in Michigan, I was like, ha not me. It was 60 and I wore a t-shirt. But like all joking aside, our big question was, is can we raise our family here? That's the lens we had on all weekend. We were like, can we raise our kids in a community here, can we see that happen? Because we don't want to be transient. We're at this point in life where we just want to plant roots and see our kids grow. And at that point, I looked at Aaron, I was like, this is it. This is where we're supposed to be because I want to see Sybil and Ellis grow up in this environment with you and being a part of this church where God's on the move. But I look back at the story, and as I share this story, God kind of reminded me of something that this isn't unique. This story is just full of choices that you can look back at going, if I made this one, it wouldn't have gone well. But I made this one, and that's where God was calling. Because we all have choices we need to face. We have all decisions to make. Whether they're big or small decisions, God has a will in all of it, and we have to be like Peter and hop out of the boat and swim that hundred yards. Because again, I'm like, a hundred yards is a long way, but Peter was so eager to get to Jesus that he didn't want to wait any longer. So what I want to challenge you guys with this morning as we wrap up here in a couple minutes is just, what are those choices you're facing now? What are those those decisions that you feel like God's leading one way, but the path you wrote is entirely different? But what I want you guys to think about is what are the blessings that you're going to receive going his path? Because, yeah, I could have made the decision not even to entertain the conversation with One Hope. 
I could have made that decision. But what I've learned in all of this and what Peter learned in his season too is that God's plan for our lives will always stay sweeter than anything else. That God's will for our life is the best path to walk. And I started off with a question and I kind of want to wrap up with a question too is, are you going to put your trust in his plan? Because Peter showed us that faith ultimately is trust in action. Because we can say we follow Jesus and we have this faith, but if we're not doing anything with it, what's the point? If we read our Bibles each and every day going like, yeah, I see God doing all these things, but I'm going to hang out where I'm comfortable. We're not doing and following the example that's been given to us by so many people. So I want to open the altars for us this morning and really take time to wrestle with that. Wrestle with the tension of God's will or your own. Wrestle with those choices that you may be facing going, God, where next? Where to now? Because his plan is ultimately greater and I am super excited to see what God does next. I'm excited to see where God goes before us and in front of us and waiting at that shore going, it's me, it's time to go. But at the end of the day, you have to make the choice and nobody can force you to do it. And I wanna give you guys this moment and this time as we enter into this time of worship, just to really ask the question of, is it time to put my faith into action? and to do something with where God is calling. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.